and welcome to the 920 podcast. I'm your host, Logan Quentin. Of course, the battery would not be complete without Charlie Collier. We're here to kick things off on the 2023 season, and we have a very special guest with us today. Uh, these Vols are going to have a lot of new faces this year, uh, and this is one of them. Griffin Merritt, welcome to the show, man. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, Griffin, you had a little bit of a rough night last night. You're uh, you're an Ohio kid, Cincinnati, born and raised. Uh, you're a huge Bengals fan. I appreciate you hopping on uh, on this lovely morning and kind of go through it and muscle through this thing. Yeah, it was uh, definitely a rough, uh, rough game to watch last night, but uh, – you know, it is what it is, and you know, I know a lot of people are, you know, kind of pointing at some officiating, but there was definitely some plays that, you know, could have been made that weren't made, and um, it was just overall it was a good season, though, and you now it's time. I hope they draft well and get ready for next year. Like I mentioned, you're a Cincy kid. Um, you're going to be a new face to this club, but you're a veteran presence. Uh, what's your role going to be uh, with these Vols in particular? Um, I, I, my role is going to be I, I, someone that can, you know, be consistent and, you know, kind of be counted on to know what I'm going to do and bring, um, every day, at least, you know, in the locker room and, you know, baseball is an up and down sport, but you know, I've kind of had enough, um, experience at this point where, you know, I feel like my performance can you know, be pretty consistent and there'll be ups and there'll be downs just as anybody would, but. You know, I want to be a presence that you know, we can look at and count on um, just to be consistent because we have a lot of very good players and they're, they're young and some, are, some of them don't have much experience. So, you know, maybe their ups and downs are a little more drastic throughout the season. So um, I just I want to be somebody in the you know, in our lineup that can just be, you know, consistent and, you know, Coach Vitello and everybody else can look at it and be like, I right, know what we're going to get here. Um, and as far as the locker room presence, you know, it's going to be, you know, part of my role to manage the maturity level of our team um, and provide a, you know, kind of like a, um, I guess, a veteran mindset a little more in our locker room, just because we have a lot of new faces and a lot of young players and they're, they're super, super talented, especially on the position side. The pitching side, you know, you have a lot of experience and you have a lot of talent and um, they kind of do their own thing, um, which is good. But on the position side, you know, part of my role is definitely to, you know, kind of, um, you know, give advice and be that presence in the locker room that, you know, people can kind of come to if they need something that's more of an experience question versus, you know, a, a baseball or a talent question kind of thing. Griffin, you uh, you mentioned the maturity of this team and how there are a lot of new faces on this team. I want to take it back a little bit. Last year, obviously, you were at Cincinnati, uh, you know, spent a good portion of your career at Cincinnati before transferring to Tennessee this offseason. What was it like, I guess, to be in the world of college baseball, but outside of the, the world of Tennessee baseball and kind of view that Tennessee team uh, just as, a, you know, a, a college baseball player that's out of the SEC that doesn't play Tennessee to just see that team and kind of the, the, the publicity that they got and, uh, you know, I guess some of the, the extracurriculars that they got involved with too and just as the number one team in the country and, you know, kind of yeah. talking about um, 
I mean, you know, last year, even since I'm not, I wasn't, you know, in the SEC or, you know, following them closely, um, I was, you know, focused on, you know, what I was doing at that moment. But everybody in college baseball last year, you know, had, knew what was going on um, in Knoxville and knew that, you know, there was a special team that was doing a lot of special things. So, you know, it was something that, you know, through last year, it wasn't, you know, the first thing I was checking every day, but it was definitely like in the, you know, back of my head, like, wow, I mean, this team is, you know, they're, they just won 50 games or, you know, they're like, they, you know, you see the highlights and you hear the stories and, you know, some of the things that, you know, happened in last year's team. And uh, it's just special. And it's, it was cool to see a fan base, regardless of, you know, what school it is, engage in their team like that in college baseball. You know, that's more of the norm in, you know, college football, some college basketball. But to see that in baseball is cool. And it's refreshing because I think college baseball deserves more of that. Um, I think it's a very underrated sport. But I think that lately the TV deals and picking up games is kind of putting it more in the public eye and people are, um, you know, they're starting to fall in love with it, which is, which is awesome because I, I really do feel that college baseball offers a, a very unique um, style of baseball compared to professional baseball, just for different reasons. And, you know, there's nothing, you know, professional baseball is just a different game. You know, it's a, it's a money game and there's 162 games and it's, you know, it's almost, it's a little tough to play with that much emotion and you're trying to manage an entire season. Um, but the college game is definitely growing and Tennessee last year was a, was a huge part of that. So I think everybody around the college baseball scene was pretty thankful for that. Does it, uh, does it feel, I don't know, is there kind of any kind of feeling in the locker room at this point? I know coach Vitello's talked about, a completely new identity obviously each team has its own identity but is there any kind of pressure you feel like to try to follow up a season like that um i i think it, sometimes it's tough if you are going to try to compare seasons um just because i think what happened last year uh, at tennessee you know it had never really happened before so it, it's hard to predict if it can happen again let alone happen again this year. Um, so I think this team is kind of taking on a, just a different identity. I think there needs to be a level of, you know, a, a healthy level of separation between last year's team with this team. You know, we need to look back and learn from the lessons and what, what went well and what didn't to improve. But we also can't, you know, try to compare and dwell on some of the things that happened last year, especially as we get into the season. Right. I mean, everybody wants to start, you know, 10 and 0. And, you know, I, I have a very strong feeling that we can do that. But, you know, if it doesn't happen, we can't be like, well, we, you know, last year the, this team was different and now we're not, we're not going to be as good. Like, you can't, we can't compare like that. Um, you know, our goal is to be playing the best baseball we possibly can come league play and come postseason. That's what you want in a season. You want to keep getting better um, throughout the year and kind of take on your identity and it'll shake itself out. And I think we're, we've done a very good job of, you know, referencing last year's team and learning from the lessons and taking what we can from it, but also building, you know, this is, a, this is 2023's team. Every, every, every team's different. And what's key yeah, to that Griffin is uh, the young guys and the new names that we mentioned uh, gelling together. Who are some of those names uh, that have impressed you so far? 
Yeah, man. I mean, the list kind of goes on and on. Um, being new here, they're all new to me. But I guess first-year guys in this program, um, you know, the pitching. Uh, I've, I've said it multiple times and, you know, a couple of different podcasts and things is the, the pitching staff on this team, the depth on this pitching staff is um, not normal, <laughs> to say the least. You know, it is extremely talented with – extreme competition and a bunch of guys that work super hard and um some of the you know some of those new guys i'm just thinking off the top of my head um you know yeah i mean just i'm just thinking like yesterday we we had juco kid came in and threw sorry the game in the rain um we had a freshman a juco kid throw uh jake bimby is a left-handed pitcher a juco kid and a right-handed freshman jj garcia and like these guys, you know, they're not our, they're not our Dolanders or our Burns or being, you know, somebody super high up there. But I mean, these guys came in, they have plus pitches, throw strikes, pound the zone. It's like, man, like if these are our middle arms right now, like, wow. Like, I mean, and now that I'm thinking, you know, somebody that's really impressed me on the pitching side, a first year guy, but he's a veteran guy. He's, um, we're actually in the same class as a kid named Andrew Lindsay, um, transferred in from, Charlotte after a gap year um he's filthy man filthy filthy he uh he could be a starter he could be a you know a long relief he could be a closer just super dynamic um mid 90s upper 90s cutter sinker slider just it, it's nuts to just have that guy sitting in your pen and then you know some new faces for probably the fans this year um but not into the program are Zach Joyce and Seth Halverson, who've, you know, been battling some injuries and rehabbing. And both of them got back on the mound the last couple of weeks and have looked great. I mean, great. Both of them have, you know, premium top line SEC stuff and, you know, they're, they're healthy and they feel good. And I mean, like I said, there's just so many pieces in that pitching side. And then on the, on the offensive side, um, I think our transfers have transitioned well. Um, uh, when I say our positional transfers, Maui, um, myself, uh, Zane Denton and uh, one of the catchers, Cal Stark, who is a, a Juco kid as well, have transitioned well and settled in. Um, I think those are all of them, all those names are going to be big players for us this year. Um, and I know I'm just, I'm super excited. There's a lot of new faces, but there's really not a, a I don't think there's going to be a drop off, honestly. Yeah, you mentioned new faces, you mentioned transfers, obviously. You know, you being one of those transfers. Again, Logan mentioned it, Cincinnati guy. You were born in Cincinnati. You got to play for Cincinnati. I imagine it was probably pretty hard to to leave, you know, a school where you grew up like that. What was kind of the process for you in, in making the decision to transfer and then ultimately, you know, ending up at Tennessee as well? Yeah, so um, I, I considered, you know, through – my season last year, um, you know, I'm kind of a planner. I was looking ahead a little bit, you know, what, what do I want to do? Um, I was going to have some options and I just decided to kind of let it play out. Um, you know, I was, I had talks of, you know, in the draft of, you know, I could probably start a professional career if I wanted to, um, at, at some certain aspect, or, um, I was actually, and still am um, accepted at Ohio State's dental school. So I was thinking, well, if 
know, she's a right. transition. Oh, I appreciate that. Or, you know, do I want to, you know, graduate transfer or do I want to go back to Cincinnati? So it was a really not stressful summer. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, um, you know, I was trying to decide, you know, what, what is going to be best. And um, after the season, I, I waited till the draft and um, the draft, I mean, it went well and I, I had some opportunities and I mean, more than a few within the draft, but it wasn't something that I was just um, going to pursue unless it was the right situation, if you understand what I'm saying. Um, so I chose to pass and I didn't want to, I didn't want to sign a free agent deal post draft. So I um, was kind of at the terms of, you know, am I ready to be done with baseball or do you want to keep playing? And that was a no brainer for me. I wanted to play. So um, then it was, do I want to go back to Cincinnati or do I want to transfer? And I love Cincinnati. I love that coaching staff. I love everything about playing there. I think when most people hear kids transfer, it's because it's, you know, a, they were unhappy or there was, you know, they disliked something. That wasn't the case for me. It was super hard. And they had on top of that, my brother um, was an incoming freshman who's there right now playing. So I had to um, even deal with that. But I just needed a new experience and I needed to do what was best for me in my career. And if, uh, you know, what I did at Cincinnati last year, really the last two years, um, didn't put me um, – or set me up for what I wanted to do, then I needed to transfer to a you know a different stage and a different setting that would give me, you know, maybe a better opportunity to pursue you know my dreams and my career. So that's why I decided to transfer. And um, when I was in the portal, I was fortunate enough that I had a, a lot of interest and a lot of you know options that I could have played at. But you know, a big thing for me is I wanted to stay close and I wanted to go, like I said, to a school that gives me that best chance and. I mean, when I, when I boiled down to it, it was kind of hard to, like, look at Tennessee compared to anybody else and be like, it's three and a half hours, four hours from Cincinnati. It really the limelight of, you know, college baseball it probably has more eyes on them than any team in the country. Like, it, 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 that, that's exactly what I want. So I came and I visited and it went great. And you know, I kind of I fell in love with the coaching staff and then the plates, honestly, and the players. And it was a no-brainer. I actually canceled a ton of visits after um, I was going to do like a little world tour because <laughs> it was already August when I was visiting. So I kind of, I canceled visits to you know, Arkansas, Oklahoma State, Texas, Alabama, all these places right after I came here. So this is, this is where I want to be. Yeah. We might, we might be a little bit biased, but Knoxville, I think can have that effect on people. And I, I'm sure that coaching staff can too. I mean, yeah. I they're very good. Um, they're very good recruiters and they're very honest and open. And I am fortunate enough to, you know, go through this a second time as a graduate transfer, knowing kind of a lot of things that, you know, maybe a naive high schooler doesn't know um, in the recruiting process. And I mean, it's recruiting. You want players and sometimes you got to fake it. But there was no faking in the recruiting process here. It was genuine. And I, I mean, I, I could see that immediately. And that's what I wanted. I wanted somewhere that I fit in, somewhere that, you know, was competitive and gave me, you know, a chance to compete for a, a position and somewhere where the people um, fit in with the kind of person I am. And, I mean, looking back, I can't be more thankful. I feel like I just hit the jackpot because I'm sure there's a lot of wrong choices um, out there that I could have made, but this was, this was the right choice. Uh, Griffin, now we're going to get into a segment we call the weekend rotation. It's brought to you. Uh, by our friends at Crumble Cookies. 
Uh, you know, normally uh, during the season we would match up the pitching uh, opponents and, and dig into that. We don't have an opponent to dive into, but we have the Tennessee rotation. You mentioned some of the names. Uh, when you think about the projected weekend rotation, Dolander, Burns, Beam, possibly um, – my analysis or uh, my advice for the opponent would be good luck with that, right? Uh, so I, I was going to see if you could help us out, um, dig into it a little bit. Uh, I mean, what what is so special about this staff? I mean, you mentioned the depth and, you know, there's there's JUCO guys transferring. There's guys, um, like you mentioned, Lindsey um, coming over and, and being a force within that depth. Um I mean, Xander Seacrest, Camden Sewell, Seth Halverson, that's a weekend rotation right there. And those, <laughs> those guys might not log a start on the weekend this year. That, that's just crazy to think about. Um, where does it start? Where does it end with this pitching staff and, and why they're uh, set up to be so dominant? I think it starts – I mean, if you're asking where it starts, I think that's an obvious answer, um, at least to me, is it starts with, you know, Chase Dolander and Chase Burns. It's – I mean, those are two guys that honestly sh probably shouldn't be in college. Um, I think the world of both of them, I think, you know, Chase Dollander is probably pitching in the big leagues in a year, honestly, maybe a, maybe a year and a half at the most. And then I think Chase Burns is a fast track major league superstar as well. Um, it starts with them. And um, I commend them because – people look up to them and that pitching staff as they should, right? But sometimes when you're on top, you you know, when I say on top, if they're not even on this team, they're really on top of the country. I mean, I think those are maybe probably the two best arms in the country, um, but they work and they work and they lead and they elevated the floor of that pitching staff up just by how they go about their business. People want to be like them. People want to follow them. And it's making everybody on that pitching staff better. And if you're making kids on that staff better, then they're really good. And, you know, the weekend rotation, uh, we there is no set weekend rotation yet, so it would all be speculation, you know, that the coaches will figure that out. Um, I, I, I really – I mean, I, my guess is it's not much different than last year, but, you know, that's not my job. Um, I, I, I just think those guys every day that, you know, Chase Dolander, Chase Burns, Drew Bean, you know, or whoever else may be in one of those roles runs out there and puts their toe on that rubber. As a position player, you don't care who you play. You know you got a shot. And that that's one of the most comforting things to know as a position player is, you know, that guy on the mound is going to compete, and he's extremely good, and it, we, we can beat anybody. And that's a nice feeling to have. And especially in, you know, this time of the year where we're trying to – positional players and hitters are trying to – you know, get back in the flow of gameplay. You're getting live at bats. I mean, when you're at bats, you're off Burns and Bill Lander and, and some of these guys. You know, they might not end. You know, the way you exactly wanted it to end is a certain at bat, but you're getting better just seeing those arms right now compared to some teams, maybe that don't aren't as fortunate to have those arms, don't get to train against them, and when you see them in the season, they're surprised. Whereas now, I feel like it's the opposite. You know, you're kind of as hitters, you're grinding out at bats now and you're learning now. And when you get to the season, it's almost like practice hard, game easy sort of thing. Um, definitely has an aspect of hitting. 
Yeah, Griffin, you uh, you mentioned the preparation, and uh, earlier, or I guess it was, well, it was last week. Now, Tony Vitello spoke to the media, uh, and he was talking about the winter break, and and you know the guys that go home, and then you come back, and, and you get into the spring, and you get into this semester, and that's when you really start ramping things up. But he was talking about with older guys, you know, you never really know exactly what you're gonna get. There's complacency, whatever else. But he said. With you specifically and Andrew Lindsay, a guy that you mentioned earlier, well, he said that you guys maybe showed the most signs of progress, uh, that when you left and came back, that you two had the most notable difference in, in how your bodies looked, how you moved around, and, uh, and how well prepared that you guys seemed. Obviously, you know, probably a great compliment. Don't know if you heard that or not, but what was winter break like for you, I guess, for you to make such uh, you know, commendable strides? Yeah, I think winter break is an interesting time in college baseball. I think college baseball is an interesting sport in that, you know, you come in in the fall, you put all this work in, you know, you're playing, you're playing, you're playing. And right when you feel like you're about to, like, I'm settled in, I'm ready to go, you get shipped off to go home for a month. And it's like, oh, so like right when you get in the flow, you're out. And then you come back and you got a month to scramble and then you play. So it's a weird sport. It's not like football or something where, you know, you're playing all summer, you're ready to go, you're there, you're there, you're there, you lead into your season. It's like you build up, you build up, you build up, then you have a month gap. And there's two ways to treat that month um, gap. And it's, you can use you can use it to your advantage or it can be, you know, kind of your downfall. And I, throughout my career, I've always used that month to, you know, work on my, you know, my physicality and um, my, my trying to recover and do things the right way there. And then definitely, you know, baseball skills involved in that. But that's a time for me to get my body right for a, you know, a 65-game fight that we're going to have this season, you know. So I, I really take that month seriously in my preparation. Um, and then you get back to school, and this next month, you, you know, you start stringing gameplay together and, you know, getting your at-bats together and getting ready to go for the season. But you got to set that foundation with your body or – you know, I've been through it enough now where if you don't take care of yourself, you know, halfway through the year, you start breaking down or you don't feel good. And, you know, the last thing you want to do in SEC play is walk up to the plate and be like, man, I feel weak today or, you know, this and this hurts and I, this, all this creeps in. And, you know, for me, I'll never let that happen to me. Um, I'll walk up there every day feeling, you know, I'm not going to feel 100% every day. And there's going to be days, honestly, that, I, something is not going to feel great, but it will never be something out of my control where I feel like I let my, you know, my shape get away from me or my conditioning or things like that. I was going to ask you about that, uh, the quick ramping up process that you mentioned, that you you guys only have a month or so, and that's what makes this thing so unique in terms of build up to a season because, like, in MLB, you have spring training. Uh, this year, spring training will be even more extended because of the WBC um, you guys just have a month. So what is key for a clubhouse in that short amount of time uh, to get ready for the season? Um, there's always housekeeping things that need to get done. Little things like, you know, bunk coverages and picks and some of the, the things as players that get a little, you know, repetitive. Not everybody, It's like the little things that nobody really wants to do, but they need to be done because you're about to enter – I got my calendar here in my big store on the 17th. You're about to enter the 17th where that stuff matters, right? Like in an inner squad in the fall, somebody screws up a bunk coverage. Yeah, you know, Coach A might rip you for a second, but it was an inexpensive lesson. The expensive lessons start in, in what, 
two weeks, three weeks. So you got to cover that stuff now. Um, but the, the biggest thing that you can do at this point is to play. And that's why the schools in the South usually start better than the schools in the North. Now that I've been from both is in the North, you can't play or you have to play inside or you have to do line up bats in the cage because it's cold. There's snow on the ground. It's not, you can't tell your pitchers to go out there and, you know, go throw a hundred percent and it's five degrees. Somebody's going to get hurt. So you can't do that. First here, you can get outside. Like today, we're going to go play 12 innings. Like, you know, depending on where you're at in the lineup, you might get, I don't know, six at bats, seven at bats, maybe. Like that's massive. So being able to play as much as you can at this point in the year um, in scrimmage is, is massive. And to do that with such a talented pitching staff that has, you know, what seems like unlimited pitchers where you can just play and play and play is a huge advantage for your team, mainly for your hitters, because your hitters get these at bats. I mean, I'm looking back, we scrimmaged Friday, played six innings, um, played nine innings Saturday, played three yesterday, we're playing 12 today. Like not a lot of teams across the country can do that. And these guys are all on pitch count still. So, you know, at most, these guys are getting 45 pitches. But we have enough arms that we're able to play and play and play, which gives our hitters at bats, gives our fielders reps, gives everybody, you know, just more and more flow. So when that 17th comes around, I mean, we might have as hitters, you know, 50 at bats under our belt, which is huge because in the North, I mean, you might have 10 outside at bats, maybe. <laughs> or you have. 25 30 at bats, but they're inside and you didn't, couldn't really see and you probably it's just not it's not the same you know that's what i'm trying to say that's cincinnati they have a bubble um, it's the best you can do up there i mean they have an indoor it's super nice and i was super fortunate for it because we got to have some sort of play but you know you're playing on a football field with fielders out of position you're using a portable mount bad lighting like it's just tough it doesn't translate as well it's just like today we have to get out there for four, you know four or five hours and just play so that's huge. Yeah, I really – I don't think people understand that, like how big of a deal that is. And, I, I mean, I know just kind of like last year when Notre Dame was coming to town, people were looking at some of the numbers that they had to start the season. It was like, yeah, but do you, do you realize what the conditions are? Yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not a – It's pretty – It's not a level playing field. And the, the other thing, too, with the northern schools is I'm sure Notre Dame and I know Cincinnati, you always open up on the road. You have to. You have to go south for your first month. It's too cold. You can't play up there. So you go south and you go, like I'm thinking last year at Cincinnati, you know, we were super fortunate. A donor, you know, gave a, gave a pretty nice donation. So we were able to go to Florida for a week right before the season and just play, which was nice. But once again, you know, we didn't have as many pitchers. Guys hadn't been you know, built up on pitch count yet, so we couldn't play as much. But we got to get down there some, which was super nice because we opened up at Florida Gulf Coast last year. And it's like we're playing Florida Gulf Coast and Fort Myers. These dudes have never been inside, ever. <laughs> right? Like the winter's 60 degrees and sunny. Like they have been playing outside all day, every day. And it's hard to come down as a northern school to a southern school that has been able to prepare differently than you because it's not really a level playing field. Do you, uh, do you think that maybe with this – different preparation with this extra pep preparation that you might be set up, you know, in a better position than you have at any other point in your career? Like, do you feel better because of that? <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking of my opening weekends uh, throughout my career. And um, last year by far was my, I, I had a really good opening weekend. 
And I think honestly, that might be because I got live at bats for a week before outside in Florida in the sun, got like, got to see some pitching. There's, you know, some of my prior years in Cincinnati, like my first game at bat in the first inning, second inning, whatever I'm hitting in that lineup that day, that was my first outdoor at bat of the, that year. Like you're up here against a Friday night guy where everybody's Friday guy across the country has got good stuff. And you wouldn't be if you're a Friday guy. You don't. But you're going against a Friday night guy at a fair field, and that's the first time you've seen a baseball outside. And that's since crazy. since the fall. So, that is crazy. Yeah. And Cincinnati, I mean, it's cold, but it's not the coldest. Like, I mean, the Michigan teams and things like that or the teams up by Chicago go through the same thing. So you can't, I mean, it's not really an excuse, but it's something you got to deal with. So to answer your question, yeah, I think I'm going to be much better prepared. I think like right now, personally, throughout the this early spring, I know for a lot of our guys, you know, there's a lot of, oh, I just missed that pitch or you fell off a pitch you should hit or, you know, you didn't see a pitch super well. Like you're getting all of that adjustment out now. Like that, oh, I just, I just fouled off that fastball. Like I, or I just missed that pitch barely. That's all coming out now. So by the time that the seventeenth rolls around, those are gone. You're ready to go. Versus sometimes when you come out from the north, you get all that stuff out the first ten games. So that's why you know a lot of those schools start you know five and five, three and seven, and then they end up being really good by the end of the year because they are really good and they have really good players and they should be good, but. They're figuring their stuff out during the season versus here. You're figuring their stuff out now. So that's good. I appreciate that insight. That's uh, that's just interesting to hear. Yeah, not, not a lot of people think about, you know, some of the geographical restraints on some of the baseball stuff, but it's real. Right. Uh, you know, just I guess one more process related question. You get in here and you guys, you know, been ramping up this spring, obviously to get this new coaching staff in, a, in your life after being at the same school for four years, have there been any kind of tweaks to your game or have they kind of opened your eyes up to any specific aspect of your game that you maybe hadn't thought about now that you're just kind of getting fresh hands on you as a player? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say anything's been major. That's something that I've really liked about this coaching staff is, you know, I know I don't have it all figured out. I don't, but I also didn't want to come somewhere where it's like, Hey man, like you had a bunch of success. You're a good player, but we're going to change everything about how you do stuff. Cause this is how we do it here. Kind of thing. Like for a graduate transfer for a year, it's like, I, I mean, you don't want to do that. So this coaching staff has been giving me, you know, a, a ton of respect. And I think that goes about how I handle my business. I think that respect was earned, but they're just, they're just, they get baseball, right? They get it. And we've definitely worked on things. You know, I've worked on a bunch with um, our hitting coach, um, Josh Elander, and the adjustments versus changes, I think is the biggest thing. And for me at this point in my career, it's more about approach and little things that I can tweak mentally versus, hey, we're going to put your hands here instead of here kind of thing, right? At this point, and honestly, it's really, it's like that for everybody here because there's so much talent and so many good players. A lot of guys, you don't really, it's, they're not in the, I guess what I'm getting as the coaching staff here is fortunate enough, they're in the process of tweaking instead of teaching. They don't need to teach kids to hit. 
right? They recruited the kids that could hit, <laughs> right? They're not in the business of, hey, we're going to spend hours and hours and hours teaching you how to hit a baseball. That's not the deal because you wouldn't be here if you couldn't. So they're at the point where they're bringing in kids that can already do the things they want them to do. Same with the pitchers. Like, hey, we're not going to teach you to throw strikes. You're going to throw strikes or you wouldn't be here. But now we're going to spend our time adjusting little things and cleaning up and, and improving that. So that is kind of, you know, I think the approach here from the coaching style. And it's it's really nice as a player. And, yeah, you got to have some some talent and some, you know, things you do well already to get here. But once you're here, you know, it's we're refining you every day and we're just making you the best version of whatever, you know, it is that you do well. Like if you're a power hitter, we're going to try to make your power consistent. You know, we're going to try to help you square off as many balls as we can. If you're a, you know, a fast guy, then we're going to make sure you can handle the bat. We're going to make sure you have a low strikeout rate so you can, you know, use your legs. We're going to do this, this, and this um, to make, to just capitalize on whatever, you know, your tool is or your tools are. So as far as the coaching staff, yeah, we've definitely worked a lot. Um, but it's also been, it's not like it's uh, break it down to build it up kind of thing. Uh, Griffin, before we let you go, uh, you know, I, I mentioned our friends from C Crumble Cookie. I, I wanted you to go over this lineup with us. Uh, you guys are going to have a nice lineup. Not quite sure how things are going to shake out just yet, but we've got a lineup right here from Crumble Cookies just dropped. Uh, milk chocolate chip a churro cookie, a blueberry muffin, chocolate cookies and cream, a key lime pie cookie, and, of course, their classic pink sugar. Out of that lineup, Griffin, what's the play? I've had the, the classic pink sugar, and that's pretty good. Um, back home, my brother is, I don't know if I'd say a cookie aficionado, but he uh, <laughs> You got to bring him on the pod. He definitely uh, will him and his girlfriend check out those cookies. And uh, I'd be lying if I said I didn't, I didn't clean up the scraps when he brought them home. But, um, yeah, they, crumble. I like crumble cookie. Um, my, I, one of my roommates was Jared Dickey, and I, we got, I remember in the fall we went and got um, some one time, brought them back for the house. There's a couple of guys who tried them. And uh, it's, a, it's a nice spot, and, they, you know, they got cool stuff. And I, I like that it's kind of like the rotation, you know. Sometimes you walk in there, and, um, I mean, really most times you don't really know, you know, what that lineup is for that week, but there's always something in there that surprises you. And to make a really corny connection to, I guess, the baseball team here with between cookies and that is, I think that this year in the lineup, somebody on this team will surprise us and yeah. it'll surprise somebody. It'll surprise the fans and we don't know who it is, but somebody's going to do it. One of these young guys is going to step up. Um, it might not be the first weekend. It might not be the second. It might not be till a regional or, you know, wherever, hopefully. But um, somebody is somebody's going to walk in that nobody knows about and is going to leave this season with, you know, T-shirt deals and all that stuff, and everybody's going to know who they are. So that's going to be fun to see who that is. It's going to happen. Good stuff, man. Uh, yeah, be sure to go check out. Uh, Knoxville has two locations now, Clinton Highway. Also, they have a Turkey Creek location on Parkside Drive. Uh, Griffin, thanks for hopping on with us. Uh, Charlie, do you have anything else for Griff? Um, I, I mean, real quick, now that you get to make the jump to the SEC, which team are you most looking forward to, to getting to go up against? That's a good one. Wow. Um, 
I think, I mean, to not be cliche, I think all of them, um, just because they're all going to be new to me. Um, I, I played Kentucky and Auburn and, you know, some other SEC teams in my career. But I think um, the two I, that are circled on my calendar, and as a player, you kind of want to treat every game as the same. But we also, as players, aren't robots or humans. We understand, um, you know, the some of the circumstances behind games. And the Arkansas and LSU series are, are on the top of my list for sure. And they're both road series and they're both going to be, you know, super regional-esque or college world series-esque atmospheres. And it's going to be a, a good test for us. And I, I'm, I'm definitely excited to get down and um, get to those places and go take care of business. Sounds good, I, man. Uh, I agree. <laughs> February 17th can't come soon enough. It's, it's on your calendar. It's on my calendar. Uh, we've all got eyes on it. Uh, can't wait to see you guys and what this lineup looks like. Uh, Griffin, it was great getting to know you. We can't wait to watch you out there in Lindsey Nelson and uh, see how things go this season. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks hey, for having me. I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Sean.